We now begin Maseches Trumos, and this will be the introduction to the Masechta. The word Truma means a gift or a donation, um, literally, and in modern Hebrew, uh, but it has the connotation of elevation, to lift something up, like the word Laharim means lift up, or Romamut, etc. So Trumot are gifts that imply having been uplifted. And they could refer to many things, um, but in our context of our, of our Masechta, Trumos refers specifically to portions that are given to the Kohen. Uh, it could refer to one of four types of gifts, really. The primary being Truma Gadola. I'll go back to defining these a little more later on, but in case you aren't familiar. But it could be Truma Gadola, Trumas Miser, um, as well as Chala and Bikurim. Um, are all basically called Truma in the Torah and have very similar dinim. The actual, I'll come back to those. The actual name Trumos is plural, um, presumably because of the, the Pasuk, the verse referring to Trumos presents Klausra with a charge to um, Mishmeres Trumosai, the guarding of the Trumos plural, and referring both to the requirements of certain mitzvahs that apply to Truma while it's Tahor and other mitzvahs that apply to Truma while it's Tame. So presumably uh, the Trumos is referring to those two types of Trum, which are different halachas. Come back to that also. Um, the Rambam counts eight separate mitzvahs that are associated with truma um, in his Hilchos Trumos, and in fact, he has others elsewhere as well. So the Rambam lists um, those eight mitzvahs as being as follows. First of all, the mitzvah to separate truma, um, as well as the mitzvah of truma gadola, as well as the mitzvah to separate uh, trumas meiser. Um, the third mitzvah is to do those the different tithes in order, in the proper order. Uh, the fourth, that a zer, that is someone who's not a a Kohen, may not eat truma. Um, only the Kohen in his household can eat truma. Um, not even someone who, the fifth mitzvah is not even someone who, who works for the Kohen, um, but not strictly part of his household proper, may eat truma. The sixth is even if a person is a Kohen, he may not eat truma if he hasn't been circumcised, is an aral. Um, the seventh, that a Kohen even if he has been circumcised, may not eat truma if he is tame, richly impure at the time. And the eighth, that a halala, a woman who comes from the household of a Kohen, but has left the household through marriage um, to a, a non-Kohen, etc., um, is now no longer permitted to eat truma, at least while she's part of that household. Those are the Rums a mitzvahs. Um, but there'll be other mitzvahs uh, that apply to truma that the Ram doesn't count here, the counts elsewhere in the larger topic of kadshim, of general um, sanctified foods from the base of Mikdash, um, specifically both the mitzvah to keep them tahor as well as the prohibition against making them tummy. So a good number of mitzvahs here. Um, so just to understand now, to take a step back, let's just talk about, um, explain what we're talking about here and for those who aren't familiar at all. There's a series of mitzvahs around taking different I'll call them tithes, separations, um, or tithes from produce that grows in Eretz Yisrael. And Midoraisa, the mitzvahs of Truma, are only our mitzvahs Tuluyas Ba'aretz, mitzvahs that depend on Eretz Yisrael. And outside of Eretz Yisrael, they do not apply, at least Midoraisa. Midorabanan, however, um, the neighboring countries or lands around Israel, including Bavel, um, which is modern day Iraq. What the Rambam calls Shinar, as well, which is is obligated midrabanan in Trumos, um, at least in time the Gemara it certainly was. 
as well as Mitzrayim to the south, Egypt, as well as um, what is now modern-day Jordan, so that is um, Ammon and Moab, are also required uh, Durabanan there to the east, as well as um, Surya, which is let's call it modern-day Syria, approximately um, to the north. All those have rabbinic requirements. But putting that aside, Midoraisa, from a Torah perspective, the mitzvahs that depend on the land, including Trumos, etc., are all only in Eretz Yisrael proper, and we're talking about um, land that was reconquered by the Jews who came back from Bavel, Babylonia, after the first exile. That is to say, even if you had land which was taken when Yehoshua, Joshua, came up from Mitzrayim the first time, um, when the Jews left Eretz Yisrael um, under the Babylonians, so they they the land lost its sanctification and reverts back to being just land with the potential to be sanctified, but in fact, um, only that. So when the Jews come back, the Olei Bavel, they return um, after the, you know, from about the Babylonian and then the Persian exile, they come back seven years later, the land which they reconquer um, as a nation, that's the land that gets sanctified anew. And, <clears throat> and in fact, there's a question if, after the second exile, if the Kedusha that the land was invested with um, persists, and that would be a, a Kedusha Lasid Lavo, a permanent sanctification of the land, or whether it was just a Kedusha Lashata, a temporary sanctification which ends when the Jews are exiled. Um, the Ramam learns that um, the Kedusha that the land was invested with the second time was Lasid Lavo, it was a permanent um, sanctification of the land, and therefore um, Oliver Yitzrael, that was um, possessed by the Ole Bavel, the ones who came back in the second commonwealth, that land um, does have the potential to be required Midoraisa for Trumas, etc. But even then, the Rambam holds that the halachas of Truma, etc., doesn't apply unless the majority of Jews are back in Eretz Yisrael, and that um, actually is not quite the case yet, as it hasn't been since the first exile, which means the Rambam will learn, and let's assume this is the halacha lamaisa, that's the Mechaber Paskins for sure, that um, in Eretz Yisrael, the mitzvah of Truma hasn't been a Torah requirement or a Doraisa requirement since the first exile some 2,500 years ago. And that would mean, of course, that when the Gemara, Mishnahis, etc. discuss, um, these mitzvahs are talking only in Madura Banan. In any case, so let's just go through what happens. And I'm going to put a little handout. Um, I hope I will include a handout here with the recordings here so you can see how the hafrashas go, the different tithes go. But here's just in a nutshell. When you, let's say a person has um, a crop. Now the Torah actually specifies specifically three crops. The Pasuk um, in Devarim, in, in uh, Devarim 18.4, specifies specifically three things from which one must give Truma to the Kohen. Um, that is Dagan, grain, so we're talking, you know, wheat or barley grain, as well as Tirosh, which is wine, and Yitzhar, which is oil, olive oil. So the Torah specifies those three types of produce from which one must give truma. And many Rishonim learn that that is the only types of produce for which truma is a mitzvah d'oraisa. And other, let's say, fruits, like if you have a fig, um, or and certainly vegetables are just um, rabbinically required to tithe. There are some Rishonim hold that um, those three are just archetypes for all seven of the fruits by which Eretzrael is praised. That would be um, olives, dates, figs, grapes, pomegranates, in addition to wheat and barley. Um, and the Shita of the Rambam, Rambam's opinion is that it actually applies to essentially um, all 
grains and fruits are all obligated to be tithed, and, and uh, legumes, etc. Kidneys, all required to be tithed, take the truma from, etc. On a Doraisa level, the Ram holds just um, urakos, vegetables, which are only rabbinically required to tithe. Whatever the case, the Allah is, once you bring in the Durabonim, that all produce that comes from the ground, um, leaving some unusual exceptions, that, but in general, all cultivated produce that, that grows on the ground has to be tithed at least to Durabonim. So the tithing um, has a number of steps and a number of different gifts. So let's say now you have, for argument's sake, 100 gallons of wine, um, which you produce in the land in Eretz Yisrael. So now you need to tithe it. So the first tithe you'll take is truma. It's called truma gadola, the first primary truma. Gadola here meaning primary. Um, which, according to Torah law, Midoraisa, um, has no minimum shiur. You can give as little as you want. Even one grain from your grain harvest, a single kernel of grain, could exempt the entire harvest from Trumagadola requirements. Midoraisa. There's no measurement, there's no requirements. One grain will be enough. Midorabanan, uh, the rabbi said a person should give, um, if he's um, the average person, should be giving 2%, what we call 1 50th, one part in 50. Um, and if a person is generous, he'll give 1 40th. Two and a half percent, and if he's stingy, then he'll give a one sixtieth, which would be like called one point roughly seven percent, um, and that applies to whatever is required midoraisa to be given trumas. Um, a person should give typically one fiftieth, two percent as truma, truma gadola. Everyone agrees that that which is only required midorabanan, whatever that would entail, would only require one sixtieth as a gift to the kohanim. In any case, so let's say you have your 100 gallons of wine. You would take now 2% or 2 of the 100 gallons and set them aside as true Magadola for the Kohen. You're left with 98 gallons of wine, and those 98 gallons have to be, um, other gifts have to be taken from them. Um, the next proper gift to take is called Maiser Rishon, the first tithe. Maaser, like from the word Eser, 10, like a tenth is indeed one-tenth of what remains, goes to the levy. So if you had 98 left, because you gave two set aside for the Kohen, of your 98, you give 10%, meaning 9.8 gallons, and set, a, set that aside for a levy. And the levy will take 10% of his gift, meaning a tenth of his tenth. If you got 9.8, he'll give 0.98 gallons of wine, also to the Kohen. The Levi's gift is called Trumas Meiser, the Truma gift from his Meiser, from his tenth. And the halachas of Truma Gedola, the portion that comes from the Yisrael, and Trumas Meiser, the portion that comes from the Levi, is exactly the same. There's essentially no difference whatsoever between the halachic status or the halachas that apply to Truma Gedola and Trumas Meiser, other than the origin of Truma Gedola is um, the gift that came from Yisrael, whereas the origin of the Trumas Meiser is the gift to the Kohen that came from the Levi. Um, so if you do the math, you figure out the Kohen gets a total of, let's say, 2.98 gallons, two as the first 2% from the Yisrael, as well as 0.98, the tenth of the tenth of what was left, that came from the Levi. The Levi's left with his residual, he got 9.8, he gives 0.98 away, so he's left with uh, 8.82. After that, there'll be um, another tithe given, now, that tithe is not really the topic um, or relevant to our Masechta, but <clears throat> that will be the second tithe. Um, and more uh, specifically, and just for completeness, let's explain it over here. Um, 
the Jewish agricultural cycle is a seven-year cycle. Um, the seventh year, Shvias, we just discussed the previous Masechta, there are no tithes to be taken. In the seventh year, in the Shemitah year, there's no Truma or Maishra to be taken. Um, but in the other years, the sixth of the years, those six years are divided into two um, three-year mini-cycles, the first two of which one gives Maishra Shani, the second tithe, and the third of each of those mini-cycles, third year of each of those mini-cycles, a person gives Maishra Ani. <clears throat> Trumas, my, excuse me, Maishra Shani, the second tithe, is the Israel keeps it, but he must eat that produce in Jerusalem, or he could redeem it onto coins and take the coins to Jerusalem, but it's for eating in Jerusalem by him, the Israel. And Maishra Ani is the tithe for the poor. That's given in the third and sixth year, and um, is eaten by Poor people. So then it will come out then that in years 1, 2, and then 4 and 5 of the 7-year cycle, one separates Meiser Shani after Meiser Rishon, Meiser Rishon to the Levi, Meiser Shani set aside for consumption in Yerushalayim. And then in years 3 and 6, uh, Meiser Ani is separated after Meiser Rishon, after the Kohen and Levi get their portions, one sets aside in years 3 and 6 portions for the poor. Again, it's a tenth of what's left. So since and that's true for both Meiser Shani and Meiser Ani. It's a tenth of what's left. So our Yisrael who had 100, gave two to the Kohen as Truma Gadola. He's left with 98. He gives a tenth of that, 9.8 to the Levi. He's left with now 88.2. Um, and he'll give a tenth of that, meaning 8.82 to either Meiser Shani in years 1, 2, 4, and 5, or Meiser Ani in years 3 and 6. And then the the original owner of the Yisrael will be left with 79.38 um, of totally unencumbered produce for its consumption. Again, I'll send out a, a handout, and if you're not familiar, please make a close study of that handout, because for the rest of the whole Seder of Surah, we need to know this stuff very well. Okay, so now, <clears throat> again, we're talking about Trumos, and we're referring now to the halachas that apply to primarily that Truma Gadola, as well as the Trumas Meiser. So, um... And again, very similar halachas apply to the chala portion, which is a gift given from the dough. Um, but in any case, let's focus on truma and truma's meiser here. Um, when we say truma, usually it just means either truma gadola or truma gadola and truma's meiser. Both, it's it's pretty interchangeable. Um, so this truma has a special kedusha, has a sanctity, um, which is kind of like kadshim light, meaning it, it's kind of like kadshim. Um, it's not. It's not kachim at all. It's not belonging to mezbech. Goes to the kohen, and not doesn't. It's not a sacrificial product, but it has a sanctity, um, which is resemblant to and similar to kachim as opposed to regular, non-sanctified chulin food. Um, so, this manifests in a number of ways. First and most um, striking is that the consumption of truma is restricted to kohanim and their households. So, as I enumerated, the Rambam counts a number of mitzvahs that are restricting who can eat the the uh, truma, and that, of course, would signify that's the primary issue of its kedusha. So, we were talking about a, ko- a kohen here, as well as a kohen's wife and his children, um, as well as um, the property he owns, assuming that um, it's appropriate um, for them. So, let us say, if you have um, oats growing in the backyard, and the oats became truma oats, and the kohen gets these truma oats, he can eat them for oatmeal or he can feed it to the horses because a normal use of oats is to feed horses, etc. Um, 
anybody else may not eat truma. So just to illustrate the point, for example, if a Kohen is inviting you for dinner on a Friday night Shabbos, you cannot eat his truma. He couldn't give it to you if you wanted to because you're disallowed from eating it. A person who does eat truma, who is not a Kohen or otherwise liable, uh, authorized to eat um, truma as a member of the Kohen's household, um, suffers the consequence of misa shamayim, which means um, literally death at the hands of heaven, meaning premature death. So it's quite a severe penalty, um, worse than a generic prohibition. Like so, in other words, it's worse than eating a, you know, bacon. It's worse than that. Truma eating truma is worse than that. It carries not just a generic love; it actually carries misa shamayim. Even when you're a kohen, um, you have restrictions on on when and how you can eat the the truma. First of all, you have to be tahor. Uh, you can't be, you know, richly impure, defiled in some way, have, having been exposed to truma. And what's remarkable about truma is that it actually is more sensitive to the to truma than non-truma foods. So things that are non-truma foods are called chulin, just generic food. Um, so chulin uh, can be what's called a shenila tuma. Let me explain that for a minute, in case you're not familiar. There are, if you count them in the Torah, by my counting, there are a total of 13 different sources of Tuma in the Torah. Um, and let's call those, to be simple here, Avosatuma. They're different sources of Tuma that are Av, and Av means the father, the source. Um, when a Tuma source comes into direct contact or otherwise conveys its tumah to a recipient, that recipient is called a vlad, a child of the tumah, um, meaning it's not the source of it, but now it's become contaminated um, by its exposure to the tumah source. And that various types of things, uh, specifically four types of things, adam, people, kalem, utensils, ochlin, food, and mashkin, drink, can receive tumah from a source. And when it does... Um, that recipient is called a vlad, generically, just meaning a recipient of Tuma. But we keep track of how many generations um, this recipient is removed from the source. So if it's a first generation removed, meaning, for example, let's use as our Tuma source a dead rat, a rat's a sheretz. When they're dead, they convey Tuma through maga, direct contact. So if I have a dead rat, it's an alpha Tuma, source of Tuma from the Torah. And if the dead rat touches my pot, so my pot becomes a vlad, a child of Tuma, it becomes contaminated, and we'll call the pot a Rishon, a first degree removed um, from the source, because it came, you know, it's first degree separate, one degree of separation from the original source of Tuma. If that pot, um, in that pot I cook myself some oatmeal, let's say, so the oatmeal becomes um, Tame also, and if we're talking about exposure from the pot to the oats, the oats would become a shani latuma, second degree, because two degrees of separation, the rat was the, the source, then to the pot first, then to the oatmeal second. Okay? When it comes to chulin, that's the end of the chain. There's, I'm ignoring durabanans about liquids, forget that for now. Um, there's no way for chulin to become a shlishi latuma. There's no such thing as a three degrees of separation for regular food. So, for argument's sake, if I take a carrot and dip it in the oatmeal or whatever the story is, ignoring any rabbinic issues about anything... Um, the carrot does not become tummy because a carrot can't become a shlishi. A regular chulin food can't become a shlishi, a third degree removed. However, chulin can. So, that means if it wasn't just any old... Did I say chulin can? Excuse me.